0: Why don't you give a big praise to the Lord Jesus Christ as well? Good, good, good. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for gathering us together here today. And uh, thank you as well for the season that we find ourselves in. And Father, we know we're living in perilous times. And we know that you are greater than the times that we live in. And so, Father, we know that uh, none of these circumstances events and situations that are happening both locally and globally have taken you by surprise and so i pray that you'll let the words of our mouth the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight O oh lord my strength and my redeemer and we thank you for it now in jesus name and everyone say it amen, amen. well would you show your appreciation for pastor chris and our host church faith christian center and let me just welcome all of the uh Guests that are here, okay, I heard Living Hope is in the house, is that right? Okay, who else is in the house? Redeeming family, Redeeming Family. Redeeming family. okay, good, good. And it's always good with when brethren come together and dwell together in unity. Yeah. I bring you greetings from Rhema Christian Center, our home church in Columbus, Ohio. Amen. And I uh, bring you greetings also from our elders, our, our men's fellowship there, as well as from my wife, uh, Teresa who's not with me. I'm out solo today. So she let me out on furlough. So y'all, uh, okay, just keep me in check. Okay. During the course of the weekend and, uh, God has been good. And it's been a great time of fellowship coming to faith Christian center to new England, uh, during, uh, each one of these seasons, uh, right now, I'd like you to open your Bibles and, uh, I prepare some notes to the ones that you say have men mastering their, his emotion. Is that what you have? Okay, I'll need verbal recall. Okay, a verbal response. Okay, good. Find Genesis chapter four. Right now, I'm very much aware that we live in a world where there's a lot of anger, a lot of anger, unresolved anger. And unresolved anger can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. Now, listen, the Bible doesn't say that we don't have anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. In other words, there ought to be some things that we are angry about. The Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. But when men have unresolved emotions or don't believe that they can manage their emotions, then it becomes destructive. We're seeing that played out. And when you and I don't know how to manage our emotions and release our emotion properly. It can lead to mental health issues and emotional health issues, and we can become emotional midgets. God created your emotions so that you and I not only can relate to him in our spirit and relate to each other with our feelings, but that we can also connect with one another with not only our thoughts and our physical presence, but also our feelings. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to change you into... Uh, the feminine side of mankind, and that's a woman. I don't want to change you into that, but I do want you to be acquainted with your emotions. And there was a time when we read the book of Genesis. I always like to start at the book at the beginning because I believe that there's a lot of answers in Genesis. I believe that if people read the first two pages of the books, they would uh, have a lot of answers to what they're happening in our state uh, they, they were passing laws about how marriage ought to be defined and I said to them in the state conversation have you not read I told them the same thing Jesus told them in Matthew 19 have you not read that in the beginning he made them male and female in the beginning and so there's a lot of answers in Genesis and in Genesis we have two perfect chapters Genesis 1 and 2 that's the man the woman uh, Satan in the earth with God, no sin. Genesis 1 and 2, the two perfect chapters. You have man, the woman, Satan, God in the earth, no sin. A lot can be learned about God's original intent from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Answers are in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 comes in and that's called the great interruption. Because for the first time, God hears mankind, hears a voice that's not the voice of God. And the man or woman hear a voice that's not the voice of their spouse. Be careful the voices that you listen to as a man. Because the voices that you listen to can determine your destiny. And one man listening to the wrong voice at the wrong time produced all the consequences that we are experiencing today. Just listening to the wrong voice. Now we need a speaker in the house. This week, our national government finally decided that there will be a speaker in the house. That's interesting. The earth is the house, mankind. I want to know, is there a speaker in the house? I want to know that. In earth, is there a speaker That can lead us and guide us and get us off of the place where we are stuck. Is there a speaker in the house? And every man has a responsibility in his own home to be the speaker in the house. But we need to echo what heaven is saying. So Genesis chapter 3, the word of God is challenged. The principle of God is challenged. Even the knowledge and the makeup of man is challenged. and man falls. We now live in the fallen world from Genesis chapter three in Genesis chapter four. Then we find the first two sons that are born out of that fallen relationship. And in Genesis chapter four, it says there uh, in Genesis four, in your notes, I put down when it was time of harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs of his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain, New Living Translation, very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you So angry, the Lord said to Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. And if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master's. I want you to know that the word Lord lets us know that you and I can master sin. But it takes the power over sin, to master sin, and you and I can manage and we can master those emotions. Now, it's interesting here because we have the story in this little account of two men. Both of them are worshipers. Just because you worship with somebody doesn't mean that they have it all together. Look at the man next to you, because at Ramah Christian Center, church where I lead as a pastor, we talk to each other in church, okay? All right, we talk to each other. Look at the man next to you and say, just because, together, just because we worship together. Tell him, I know you still need help, okay? All right, good, good. Yeah, we're going to do a little talking today, okay? So, so just because we worship together it doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we're all right. We can worship, be worshipers and still have a lot of flaws. And these two men come and they worship. Cain brings his crops. Abel brings his livestock. God accepts Abel's offering and his worship. He rejects Cain's worship and Cain gets mad. New Living says he gets angry. King James says, why are you wroth? That's an old English word to means You're very angry. See, I found out that in Proverbs 3, 7, part A, it says, as a man thinketh, so is he. It tells you to be careful when you sit down with a ruler, he said, because sometimes he's offering you food to persuade you and seduce you. And he says, and you don't really know what is in his heart, but as a man thinketh, so is he. Sometimes not every sandwich that's given to you is given with good intent. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse number one, it says, when I was a child, listen, I spake as a child. It's possible to give angry speaking. You can just say things out of anger. I remember when my wife was a homemaker and we were raising my two sons and my daughter, our kids were turning out one time, just doing childish pranks so bad that my wife was yelling and screaming. and uh, And I went in there and I told them, And I looked at what they were doing. I told them to stop, went down to my office in the basement, came back up. They had not stopped. They were just acting crazy. And I said, go to your room. They went to their rooms. And then one little kid stuck his head out the door and said, how long do we have to stay in here? I said, don't ever come out. (laughs) Well, you know, my wife. In the house that we lived in, the bathrooms right past their rooms, they heard her coming down the hallway and they said, Dad told us never to come out again. She said, That's all right. Do what your dad says. I've seen him like this before. And she came back down the hallway. We never argued and disagreed in front of our kids to, because to the degree that you disagree with your spouse in front of your children will be the degree that you lose authority with those children. Right. To the degree that you disagree, with your spouse in front of your children will be to the degree that you lose authority in that child's life. It's all right to disagree, but take it to a place where adults can disagree one-on-one. And what we have found is she came in and said in the Lafayette, she said, you told the kids don't ever come out of the room again. And she said, is that reasonable? And I said, no, that's pretty unreasonable. She said, I think you need to go in and correct that. And I said, you are absolutely right. So I came in and I said, I said, I need y'all to think about what you've been doing and what your mother told you. And be in there for 15 minutes and when you hear me knock on the door, it'll be time for you to reconnect with the family. But we need a little bit. You can play, but we need a little bit more peace. And they came out. What had I spoken? I spoke out of my own frustration, out of my own anger because they had not done what their mother said and not done what I said. And when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. The way that I understood is that it's going to be my way or the highway. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. That's childish understanding that if you don't get it your way, you could just leave. That's going to be short relationships, short marriage, short raising of children. Everybody will be eliminated. And I came to an understanding. I can't think everything I want to think. I can't do everything I want to do. I can't say everything I want to say, because if I do that, I'm childish. And friends, I understood as a child, when I was a child, I thought as a child also, The way that a child thinks is a child won't think through to the consequences of the action they're getting ready to do. A child will act, but not think about what's going to be the long term consequences. It may be fun to have a driver's license that permits you to drive. But if you're driving 75 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone, you're going to damage yourself some property or injure yourself and some property or you're going to damage or kill somebody because the long-term effect of violation of law is usually going to be damage to something. But you have to think through those consequences. I don't like paying the state of Ohio money. So when it says 65, that's where I set my f- speed control. Friends, you and I need to understand that if you and I cannot obey man's law, who you see, how can we obey God's law who we don't see? One of my greatest privileges of driving up and down the street is to be driving the speed limit. Somebody whips around me and guns their engine only to see them stop at the next stoplight and I pull up next to them <laughs> and have a chance to look at them
1: Amen. say, where
0: were you going? Now, friends, you and I need to understand what does 55 mean? 55 speed limit. What does it mean? (laughs) Somebody says 60 miles an hour. Somebody said 55. Any other takers? 55 saves lives. Okay. I think that it's important that we learn how to read signs. The story is turned, told in Columbus, Ohio, urban areas. This is an urban story. Guy comes up to a stop sign. He rolls to the stop, sees no one's coming and rolls through the stop sign. Police pulls him over mm-hmm. and says, uh, didn't you see that sign that said stop? He said, "Why well, slow down. <laughs> he said, the sign said stop. Next day, police has the same stakeout. Man pulls up the sign, slows down, rolls through the stop. Police came over and said, the second day I'll talk to you. He said, hey man, he said, Didn't you read that sign? It said stop. He said, Well, I slowed down to clear this section. Third day, he comes over, pulls up the sign, slows down, goes through the same stop sign. Police officer, when the man rolls down his head, uh, his uh, window, pulls out his billy club and starts hitting him on the head. He said, What are you doing? He said, Do you want me to slow down or stop? <laughs> It's an urban story. Okay. Urban story. What to stop (laughs) me? But when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. And I thought as a child, I thought that there were no consequences for actions. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, why is there much, so much shooting and murder by males around our country? Why does it seem that men sometimes are so angry? Is there something going on inside of men? Other than anger on the inside that we need to examine as followers of Jesus Christ. I think Cain becomes an excellent case study because Cain became so angry. He murdered his brother. He murdered him because of the way that his brother was worshiping the way that he was worshiping and that God accepted Abel's worship, but his worship was unreasonable and unacceptable. Why are you angry? Says God, why do you look dejected? You see, sometimes men, when they're angry, they don't know how to process through anger to a resolve. And so we take up and we cover our anger with violence. We cover our anger with retaliation. We cover our anger with revenge when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We become masters of mismanagement, even with our anger and our anger is manifested in other kinds of ways. What does it mean to be angry and sin not? See, sometimes men's internal chatter is listed on the bottom of your page. And this is not comprehensive, but sample. See, sometimes men, they say, I want to cry, but I can't. Because I'll look weak if I mess, if, if I admit or express how I really feel. Uh, I, I'm always tired of being the problem. I'm always tired of being the problem. And, and life is no longer worth living sometimes, men say. And men begin to think about even self-murder, not murdering their brother, but murdering themselves. That's called suicide. And internal chatter. Can happen. Sometimes men get the blame for everything. If you would do what's right, you hear that from your wife and from your children. Sometimes from the culture, men, 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 men don't ever do what's right. And you become the problem. I spoke for a women's conference years ago at at a Baptist church in our city. And I was one of the presenters. They had a a retired male Colonel of the air force that was on the panel. And then another man that ran a community community shelter. And after this three day women conference, they want some men to come in to be on this panel. That's a dangerous thing. I don't know why I said yes. I hadn't prayed, I think. (laughs) And these women in there, they, they, they were brutal. And, and, and I said, well, what's the problem? They said, men are the problem. They said, we've resolved the last three days. Women ain't the problem. Men are the problem. And then they said, they gave me this list they, and I wrote it down years ago. They said, when somebody's acting crazy in the, in the community, what do you call them? You call them a menace. They said, think about it. When somebody can't manage your emotions, they have mental health. They said, if it's long term, they call it mental illness. She said, the worst time of my month is called it's called a menstrual cycle. And she said, even when I get old, it's called menopause. She said, men are the problem. I said, oh God, why did I say yes to come on this panel? And look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to give you some help today. Because we're going to walk through this together. And we're going to find out we are not the only problem. But some people would just say, you the problem. And sometimes when we hear that blame come our way, we want to retaliate. We want to get revenge and we want to self-identify ourselves as not being the problem. But many times as men, we have been told that you can't express any kind of emotion. Listen to me. My dad died when I was eight years old. He died of stomach cancer. My mother was 35. She raised three kids by herself. I grew up in the house of a widow for most of my life. My mother is 92, never remarried. And from 35 until 92, never remarried. And she raised my brother, my sister, myself by herself. It's kind of interesting when I was at my dad's funeral, sitting on the second row at Union Grove Baptist Church. My mother was crying, my sister was crying, my younger brother, 18 months apart, older sister, younger brother, all of them were crying and tears started coming down my eyes and a lady sitting next to me said, now you're not going to start crying too, are you? She said, be a man. My dad has just died. My mother's crying, older sister's crying, my younger brother's crying and here's a woman nudging me, telling me to be a man and I'm eight years old. Be a man, don't cry. I'm glad I didn't take her advice and have all that pent-up grief and sense of loss inside of me and didn't know how to shed a tear because my dad had just died. I didn't know all that that meant to have a dad die. That when my dad died, the major part of the economics of the house was getting ready to be buried. My dad died the house that he had got on the GI Bill being a veteran of World War II when that finally came through for black men. We were able to get our house because of that. I didn't recognize the fact that when my dad died. The male figure in the house was gone. Now I was going to be the oldest male in the house, not the man of the house, but the oldest male in the house. So it's going to be expected that I, as I grew, I would be the protector of the house also. I didn't know all of that. I knew that I missed my dad and my dad was now dead. See, men, I found out suffer in silence, condemning themselves many times as if they were uh, uh, never allowed to make a mistake. And so when Cain makes this mistake, instead of owning that and accepting that he made a mistake and doing a self-correction or a commander correction, he gets angry. Men many times will cover their mistakes with anger and men also repress their childhood trauma instead of releasing it. And one of the ways that God has given us to release our traumas through tears and through conversation and to release our trauma through therapy. One of the words for healing is therapuo in the New Testament. Therapuo. Therapy. Going through a process of healing. And sometimes just getting in small men's groups and talking it out with other brothers, you'll find out that there's no temptation that's overtaken a man that is such that is common to man. When you start talking to other brothers, you find out, man, we're all in this together. And you'll find out that you're and I are not the only one who's gone through this trauma. It may not be exactly the same. I never tell a man I know exactly what you're going through, but I can tell a man I've been through something similar. And friends, the sharing of our testimonies and our stories will help to release some of that trauma out of us. That's why we call them testimonies. This is what happened to me, but this is what happened when Jesus came into my life. And these are some principles that have helped me to keep going on. And listen, let me help walk you through that process. See, like Cain, pain and hurt and disappointment can be released in anger by men. That's what happens. Sometimes we have pain. We retaliate with anger. We have hurt. We retaliate with anger. We have disappointment. We retaliate in anger. Remember when you watch sports, it's not the guy that throws the first punch or usually gets a penalty. It's the guy that retaliates, pushes somebody back, smacks somebody else's helmet. Throws the second punch. And friends, you and I need to understand that when we have unhealed hurts, unmet needs, unfulfilled expectation. It can cause internal pain. And if we don't know how to work that out, talk that out among others, then it may manifest itself In anger. Sometimes the anger we see in the community is not the incident that just happened. It's built up stuff that has been accumulating and accumulating and accumulating unhealed hurts, unmet needs, unfulfilled expectations, and they don't get resolved. And then you just happen to be there when it all blows up. It's dangerous, it's painful. It doesn't just affect older men. Because we have younger men that are here also. This affects younger men that don't know how to say I'm hurting. I'm angry. And so now in my state, I have younger men carrying guns. that don't have a license, don't even know how to use them. Now you know, they're carrying guns, but they're shooting people because they're angry. Because you have a car, I want a car, but I can't get a car, so I'm going to take your car. And Kias and Hondas are being stolen in our city from elderly people and people's driveways by 13 and 14 and 15 years old. And the deep seated root of that is not being able to manage that young emotion. Point number two, if a man thinks that he can't as a man thinks so as he control his emotions, his emotions will rule over the and rule over them. He will become emotionally incarcerated. He never will be able to feel. Now, listen, don't tell me men don't feel. All you have to do is get in the room and put on a sports event, and you will see that men know how to feel. They are passionate. I met a Dallas Cowboy fan here today in New England. Don't tell me men don't know how to feel. If you came to my city, there is the Ohio State University. 66,000 students at that university. And friends, people know how to feel when you go to one of those state games, it's, it's a cult. I mean, half of somebody's face is scarlet, half of it is gray. It's wintertime and they ain't got no shirts on. They're out there jumping up and down. Uh, some people have all kinds of different things they do in stadiums and ours is hang on, Sloopy, hang on. And when the band strikes that up and goes, hang on, Sloopy, Sloopy, hang and the place is rocking. Don't tell me men don't know how to feel. Men know how to feel over a basketball game, a football game, a hockey game. They know how to feel over a soccer game. They know how to feel when they eat. A lot of men can talk and eat. And some men just grunt and eat. "Mm, mm, That's good. Okay. But there's different things that happen around a meal. And it's interesting when you read the gospels, how many things Jesus did over a meal. In fact, when he left planet earth, he didn't leave us just the Holy ghost. He left us a meal that we can commune around. Not just the Holy Ghost, but a meal we could commune around. And friends, men feel, but if we don't know how to manage our emotions and know how to express those emotions in a different way, as he thinks is, so is he. Now, when we hide and deny our negative emotions, they can become toxic and fester and listen and become infectious wounds. And that's what happened to Cain. God confronted him on a behavior. He rejected God's voice. Why are you angry? Why do you feel rejected? And he took out God's judgment on him on his brother. Brothers, life is painful. Life hurts, and there are disappointments. Disappointments are when your expectations is not met. And I don't wish or pray for the pain of life, the hurts of life, or the disappointments of life to hit you. We live in a fallen world, and that's just the way it is. My response to the pain and to the hurt and to the disappointment is what God is after to this morning. He wants our response to be well. He wants our response to be adjusted so that we can help another brother respond and adjust well. Listen to me. When events hit our lives, we can either react or we can respond. Yes, sir. Okay. And friends, when we were childish, we react. I had to repeat when I was coming through school, first grade, uh, because of my behavior as a child. Mm. My dad was still alive, but um, I was slow learning how to read, and kids would make jokes when I would read. I didn't know how to say when you made fun of my reading that hurt. So at that time, I don't know what they do now in school. We had a thing called recess. Recess was when they let all the kids out on what we called the playground. And if somebody made too many jokes about my reading, I'll say, I'll see you at recess. Now, for some of you who are uninitiated, what that means is when we come out of recess, you won't be making jokes no more. And so I was all, I was, not always, but I was fighting sometime at recess. Well, i fight, take me to principal's office and give me three swats at that time. You could paddle a kid. they call my mother. Then you get, you know, uh, punishment at the scene of the crime when she got home, you know. And, uh, and then they call my dad and then my dad would get in on it. So, you know, i get paddled by, by, by the principal. Spanked by my mother and then spanked by my father. <laughs> and never learned. <laughs> because when I was a child, spanked as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. I didn't put two and two together. All of this is happening because of that. And I found out that I had to learn how to manage those emotions. Manage those emotions. Finally, a Sunday school teacher, when she noticed me reading in Sunday school, said, "Scales, you can read, but she says your brain processes differently. You need to slow down and stop trying to read as fast as everybody else. You know words. You need to enunciate your words clear. And when she starts showing me a different reading pattern and starts showing me the way that I learned as a kinesthetic learner." Then I was able to keep up with one another, and I was able, and then she told me this, and ignore all those voices in the classroom because you're smart. Mm -hmm. Friends, sometimes we don't know how to handle the hurts and the pains and the voices in our lives. So listen, you can depress those or repress those, or you can release those. Dr. Cole taught us the principle of release means forgive, forgive yourself, forgive others, and just let it go. Would you look at your neighbor and say, forgive yourself, forgive others, and, uh, and let it go. Now look at the one on the other side and say, forgive yourself, forgive others, and let it go. Life is too short to carry around all that stuff. And it's easy to say, let it go. But the central power of forgiveness that the Holy Ghost gives us really releases things out of your spirit. Forgive yourself, forgive others and let it go. Isaiah 53:3, it says about Jesus. He's my model for manhood, my model for leadership. It says he was despised and rejected a man. He was a man of sorrow. He had he had a deep sense of sadness. At sometimes, he says he was acquainted with grief. He experienced loss. Sometimes, we hid as it were our faces from him, and he was despised and esteemed not. Jesus went through all the pains of life, and Jesus wasn't afraid to express emotion. Remember when his friend Lazarus died in John chapter eleven. Verse 35, shortest Bible verse. For those of you who like Bible trivia, in the Bible, Jesus wept. When I used to, my mother used to gather our family together, all the cousins and aunts and uncles, uh, Thanksgiving time, we had Thanksgiving dinner at my mother's house. Before we had Thanksgiving dinner, we gathered in a circle. We had to say one thing we were thankful for, and then we had to go around the circle again And say a Bible verse. In every year, somebody say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Next one was usually the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's it. Not the whole psalm, just one verse. Then somebody would say, Jesus wept. And you would hear four people in the circle say, Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Which means you took the only verse <laughs> that I know. Not, not only is it the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's impactful for what we're talking about today. Because Jesus took all of that stuff and yet was still so emotionally in tune with himself. His EQ, his emotional quadrant. Listen. Listen. You have IQ, you have LQ, leadership. Listen, but you also have EQ. That's your emotional quotient. And listen, when you have that inside of you and you understand your emotion, his friend has died. And one translation said Jesus just started crying. Now, he knew inside of himself what was going to happen, but his friend has died and he understood what it was for death, the sisters had already told him, if you would have been here, our brother would not be dead. And he started crying. Listen, when a man cannot introspectively confront his negative thoughts and emotions, he will always be conquered by them, communicating without composure and hurting those he loves. That comes from a quote from a book called Battle Cry by Jason Wilson. And friends, when you and I don't know how to communicate our anger, then you and I, we will communicate it in a different way and we'll lose our composure. Now, listen, I know everybody, even when you communicate that you're angry or that you're hurt or that you're in pain, may not know how to receive it. I remember one time my wife and I, we were engaged in an intense time of fellowship And she said something to me, not about the issue we were intensely engaged in, intense times of fellowship. But she didn't say something about the issues. Ray, she said something about me. And I said, that hurt. And she said, oh, did that hurt, big boy? I said, Teresa. <laughs> uh, I said, you don't want to do that. I said, I just became very vulnerable with you. And she said, she, she walked away. And then came back multiple minutes later, and I said, where'd you go? She says, your eyes got big. I ain't never seen you look like that before. Because sometimes when you expose yourself and let somebody know you hurt me, they want to pile on. And you have to know how to respond to that. Because there was a time when somebody said, oh, did that hurt, big boy? I said, well, does this hurt? Bam! (laughs) Because when I was a child, I thought I was a child. I understood as a child and I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Listen to me. The fellowship of men can help us bear one another's burdens. That's why we have the fellowship of men like this. That's why you get men in small groups can meet at a coffee shop, at a pizza shop, at Panera. And not only do we meet there to eat, but we meet there to talk. Because I'm convinced that if men start talking and communicating with each other more and more and more, some of the stuff that's plaguing us and polluting us and causing us to be sick can get out of us. Listen, you don't have to go it alone, brothers. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a, I thought I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Listen, from our childhood, emotional barriers arise. When we experience failure and embarrassment and rejection, just the name of few. I've been embarrassed lots of times. My, my, my daughter calls me clumsy. One of the reasons I don't drink a lot of stuff when I'm eating because I spill stuff. <laughs> so most of the time when somebody asks me, I'll take a sip of water and then I'll push the glass, you know, to the center of the table. Why? Because I spill stuff. Well, my daughter has picked up on that characteristic. I mean, one day she's getting, I don't know why she picked up this habit. She gets out some ranch dressing and she picked up the habit of shaking the ranch. Well, she shakes the ranch, but the top wasn't put on by the last people (laughs) that that, that put it in the refrigerator. So ranch dressing goes everywhere. My youngest son is is no better. He likes to record everything. So he gets his phone out and says, here's Yolanda again, you know. He said, Rance dressing all over the table, all over her plate, all over her. And he said, Yolanda, give the listening audience a few words about why this happened. She said, I get it from my dad. We're clumsy. (laughs) And I've been embarrassed a lot. Banquets that were very formal. And my mother taught us, I said, I wasn't reaching. She said, why were you reaching across? I was not reaching across the table. I was just reaching for that fork and the water happened to be there and splat friends, I've learned how to not ignore embarrassment. I've learned how to apologize and say, I'm sorry. Listen, I know better. I've learned how to now think through and start rearranging stuff, even though I know there's a formal place setting process. Pastor Mike, I know I've read Emily Post's book of etiquette. I've tried to <laughs> obey all of that stuff. And, and I know that there's, everything has a place and in its place it should be. But I know what I need. And I've learned i got to move this out the way, move this up, put this over here so that I don't get embarrassed at this table. And friends, that came out of a fellowship with men. When men said, Scales, will you sit down to, to a table, look at it, and arrange things the way you needed to be that's in front of you. I said, thank you, brother. I thought you weren't supposed to touch anything. He said, no, you're not supposed to eat. He said, but you can rearrange I came out of a men's fellowship. See, from a childhood, emotional barriers can arise uh, when we experience all of these emotions. And uh, we reject some of these barriers on our own in hopes of protecting our hearts from any more painful experience. If you think that expressing anger is going to protect you from anybody else saying anything to you again in your life, you're wrong. It's critical that we learn how to set still with our thoughts and our feelings so that we can express how we feel without losing self-control. The mind can only bear so much before it really breaks down. Jason Wilson uses this term a comprehensive man. That's a man that's in touch with his spirit, soul and body. That's a comprehensive man, a man. That says, knows that Jesus came to make you whole. Remember, one time he came up on somebody who was sick and he said, Will you be made whole? He not only wants to have you whole in your spirit, but whole in your emotions and in your mind and in your will and in your intellect, the way that you think, the way that you feel, and what you desire, as well as whole in your body. And listen, a comprehensive man is courageous, but also compassionate and strong, but sensitive. Friends, I want you to get a hold now as a man of your compassion. I begin to feel for other people. Now, understand, I understand compassion fatigue. Brother, I understand when you do something for a brother and he just keeps coming back and back and back for more and more. He said, well, you're a Christian, man. You're supposed to be helping me. And he starts playing that game with you. I understand compassion fatigue. And so I've learned how to just manage that even. Brother came to me and said, man, Scales, I need $1,200 for my rent. And I said, I don't have $1,200 to give you. I said, I got 120 He said, 120 I need $1,200. I said, go find nine other people. I said, you find 10 people at $120, bucks, you got $1,200. He said, oh, there would have been a tie. If I'd offer you $120 on your $1,200, you would have gave me that response. I'd have put my $120 back in my pocket. Right? Oh, I got some agreement over here. <laughs> and walked away. But instead, I gave the brother some counsel and he came back. I said that knee get better." He said, I did exactly what you said. He said a surprise. I found nine guys that had one hundred and twenty dollars. He said "Some gave me a little bit more. So I didn't even have to find nine people. Amen. And friends, you and I need to be courageous, but compassionate, strong, but sensitive. And it doesn't mean that you and I become flaky sensitive. But it does mean that I have a chance to feel what somebody else is feeling. A man who lives uh, free from uh, the good of his heart. And he should live free from the good in his heart, not the fears that he's experiencing. Comprehensive men, says uh, Jason Wilson, Uh, he embraces all of his emotions and how he can express them rather than be ruled by them. Cain was told sin lies at the door and it wants to rule over you, but you must rule over it. You can manage your emotions. Be at peace. Jesus put it like this. Shalom. Blessed are the peacemakers for you to be a peacemaker and a peace producer. You and I must first have peace inside of us. And if I'm at peace and at rest, then I can produce peace and rest. Blessed are the peacemakers. Literally, when those people go into a war and into confusion, they don't produce more war and confusion. They produce peace. Peace releasers, peacemakers, peace producers. And one of the greatest places I found with men that if I can bring a man the peace with God, and then if he can have peace with himself... I have the peace with God, but now I have the peace of God dwelling inside of me. Then I am called a child of God. See, peace is not a place. It's a state of mind that releases negative thoughts, reflects on what is good and listen to this and resets so that it stays focused on Yah, the Lord. If my mind can stay in perfect peace because it stayed on him, then I can reset and go back to where God is. It brings us to a place here where Wilson finally just says this. Peace has to be in us before it can be around us. You want peace and shalom in the community? Whether you live in Pawtucket, whether you live in uh, Providence, whether you live in Seacau and the other surrounding provinces and states. Listen, if there's peace within people, then there can be a peace around people. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to clear your laps for a moment and just think for a moment as we pray. I want you to think about who you need to forgive. Who is it that you need to release? Who is that teacher or that fellow student or that parent or that brother or sister who put that Sound in your ear that has been playing over and over again that told you that you couldn't or you shouldn't or you wouldn't become anything or who you thought you should be. I want you to right now in the name of Jesus, forgive them and release them. That family member, that friend, that associate, that superior, release them. Get their picture in your mind. Hear the voice in your ear, unless that's be the last day that you hear that voice. Father, I break that voice. A family, friends, associates, and superiors such as teachers that told us we couldn't, we shouldn't, we wouldn't become anything. We choose to release them, and would you say this after me, man? I choose to forgive. I choose to, I choose to, release. I choose to release. I choose to let it go. Now, while you're still in that prayer mode, I want you to reflect—not only release, but reflect. I to think and remember, learn about how that, and learn from what you felt. What did you feel when somebody embarrassed you? When somebody told you you couldn't, or that you wouldn't amount to anything. Reflect. Now, by the spirit of God, gathering tools that if you meet another man in that condition, you could help him out of that box and out of that prison. Because, Father, you've taught us that though it was painful, we own the pain. We own the embarrassment. We own the disappointment. But, Father, you brought us out. And so now, Father, give us the tools to help another brother come out. Another man, another son, another daughter, another sister. Give us the tools to come out. Now do we release and we reflect, but last word is we reset. I want us to reset back to God's original design, which is where we began. Father, we reset just like a computer. We reset it. We go back to the original program, the original intent of the creator and the designer so that we could have maximum function. We decide now to reset. Father, erase all the old programs, all the old cookies that attach themselves to us, all the old baggage that we don't need. Reset and cut it out because We're grinding to a slow stop and we need a reset. Programs aren't functioning right because we need a reset because we have been masters of mismanagement of our emotion. And father reset us to that healthy balance now. Of being a man that also is aware of his emotion. Father, when we're angry, let us say, "Okay, I'm angry. I mean, withdraw, calm down. Be at peace. Because it's really the God of peace that bruises the enemy under our heel, the God of peace. Because when soldiers, even though they're in war, when they're in peace within themselves, they hit the right target and we don't die from friendly fire. Settle us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray for every man in here that will be emotionally whole. And, Father, I know this is not an entire session, but, Father, this is a beginning. Now, lay your hands on a man next to you, whether they're young or whether they're old, a male next to you. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Okay, yeah. If you need to move, that's fine. Good. Thank you, brothers. Great. Say in the name of Jesus. I lift up prayer for you. Be made whole. In your spirit, your soul, and your body. In Jesus' name. Release, reflect, and reset. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Amen.